You tend to do that. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not good at my job. Oh. Badass. Didn't get the signature chinka 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 chink. I need the signature chinka chink chink. There, there we go. go. <laughs> I'm going to get that as a drop so that I never fuck it up again. For the people that are listening right now, uh, Kristen is drinking wine. I've not neglected her uh, from the pop-pop of the opening. Shot, shot. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the Jurassic Park, Kristen Pennington. Why am I at the Jurassic Park? Because you're wearing a Jurassic Park oh, shirt, I and I tried to come up with a quote on the fly. The life uh, finds a way. Kristen Pennington. Pretty girl. <laughs> Isn't that what he calls the... Um, Velociraptor. Uh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Smart girl or something. Clever girl. Clever girl. I was, I was going to get there eventually. <laughs> life uh, finds a way. <laughs> Kristen Pennington. How are you doing today? Uh, I feel like I've lost a few inches. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm in... Uh... I feel like I lose a few inches every day. It's, <laughs> it's cold as fuck outside. You go walking around, I lose a couple of inches. I didn't have that many to start with. <laughs> Uh, we rearranged the apartment. We finally got a couch in here, so our uh, studio has changed a bit, and I am now in a much shorter chair, so I feel like <laughs> Brett is the adult and I am the toddler yeah, on I'm the sitting, podcast today. sitting about six inches above Kristen. <laughs> I'm having to look up at the mic today. <laughs> Jack's sitting in the third mic position on the couch. <laughs> Didn't have a whole lot of time to get any real show notes done, so this episode's going to kind of go by on the fly, but... You know, we're brilliant, so we'll figure it out. Uh, how do we know we're brilliant? Kristen, would you like to uh, tell the people what they've done this week? Mm. So I was checking our podcast stats, and I was telling Brett we only had, since we've moved to Libsyn, seven or 800 downloads or something like that. And I went to check yeah. them today, and I was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. Or the other day, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. I went back and checked the actual individual dates on our downloads, and this past week, you guys in one individual day downloaded our podcast 527 times. So keep fucking doing it, because I've never been that goddamn happy. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, right off the top, I guess we should do you know a little bit of a plug thing. I guess like it, share it with your friends, give us a review, let us know what you guys want to see, shoot us an email at... Uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail and you know involve yourself with the homework assignment i saw that there was some activity on the website for that so hopefully we'll be getting some submissions uh by the time you guys hear this it's like if you haven't shot it to us shoot it to us because you're coming up close to the wire but uh, we record these a week in advance so um i'm looking forward to all of that it's going to be a fucking blast we're big timing it now that's it (laughs) I mean, I'm uh, swing at the world with my big dick energy. I know, you know, a picture of a girl's ass on Instagram gets like twenty three thousand fucking little clickety clicks. But you don't I feel have like to listen to that girl. Downloads are harder to come by, though. Yeah, because you don't have to listen to that girl talk for an hour. <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, which we've talked about that before. Taking when a we, sip in the middle of the yeah. sentence. That's a good way to do it. Uh, <laughs> gotta, <laughs> gotta take a minute to breathe. So yeah. you know. Yeah. 
why, why, sort my thoughts. Yeah, why not slow it down right at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> you were saying? Uh, oh, uh, if you guys haven't heard you know, any of those episodes before, Brett and I moved to Montana from Tennessee. Um, and after we got up here, we decided to switch our podcast host because we yeah. picked up a secondary show. and um, The Art of Wargaming featuring Yaga and Oni. Um, Yaga and Thumbs. <laughs> we got some changes going on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, our original podcast hosts, as great as they were, unfortunately, weren't going to meet the new needs that we had. So mm-hmm. we, uh, after we got up to Montana, which was probably a good seven months or so into the podcast, switched providers, and unfortunately, none of our stats switched over. So um, our stats look a little fledgling right now, yeah. but uh, we are, I think, up in the somewhere like 3,000 download range. So, yeah, to have hit 500 downloads in one day is pretty monumental um so thanks guys yeah definitely yeah share rate review beyond fucking (laughs) excited uh that no fuck all the other christmas gifts share it with one friend get on their phone get on their podcast app subscribe to the show on their phone and we'll just like guerrilla warfare our way into (laughs) building a following over yeah and then we'll move all of you guys to montana Start and a start a compound in the woods, and it'll just be writing and filmmaking and weird Kool-Aid. drugs. And yeah, no, I'm not trying to take you know <laughs> your wives from you or your kids or you know start selling machine guns like they did out in Waco. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to create a creative compound. We can all just hang out, like do acid and smoke a lot. Swap a lot. film gear and yeah. Writing ideas, and all the fun <laughs> stuff. Maybe we'll open a brewery in the compound. Though. Yeah, well, maybe that that's fun. the move. Maybe that's how we pay for the compound. We open a brewery. Get a whole bunch of like alky creative people to like go out there and <laughs> serve beer to other alky creative people. <laughs> Start a whole new goddamn town. There's a lot of space out here, team. Blooms big Brewery yeah. does have a nice ring to it. Yeah, Blooms. They already got Big Sky. I was gonna go Blooms Big Sky, but Blooms Brewery. Blooms Brewery. One step above and beyond. Bam, Montana Ale. <laughs> Faceplant, doppelweiser. Quirky, strong, uh, unfiltered, dark. I'm drinking <laughs> pink Moscato for all you wine lovers out there. You spent way too long to just, you know, buy yourself a bottle oh, of pink Moscato. There we was so. New store. Yeah, yeah, no, if, for the alcoholics listening to the show, we went to a grocery store in town today with the entirety <laughs> of the back of the store. I'm not talking wall a to section. Wall. wall to fucking wall was nothing but beer and wine. And yes, I'm probably going to find myself homeless pissing on the dumpster out back of that place. <laughs> And instead of candy at the checkouts, they had more wine. There was more wine. Like, we kept walking, and they just had displays of wine. And I was like, people love getting fucked up out here, and that's awesome. For it. Yeah. I don't see anybody dying of liver disease. I just see a bunch of, you know, fat, happy ranchers fucking drinking. We got that uh, gift card. <laughs> and I've never gotten this before, ever. And I have bought stuff off of this site before. We got that gift card when I ordered my new lens. That was... Yeah. Hundred dollars of free wine if you spend sixty. <laughs> so that's floating around here somewhere. Yeah, they know their people, and we are going right back to that store, and we're buying that like twenty-four dollar of feminist Merlot. <laughs> Kristen like looked up one of the wines uh, that was at the store, and it just it was. Well, why, I think I still have yeah, it. What was the phone. name of the fucking uh, the, the article? Block chocolate. I think. Oh yeah, uh, the chocolate block. 
And the headline is the chocolate block wine review and the dangers of confident women. <laughs> that was like the, I was just trying to find out whether or not the wine was yeah, any good. And that, that was the first article that popped up. That's a fucking edgy, creative writing feminist that's out there in this world right now. He's like, this wine is it's fighting the patriarchy. It's like, how many bottles did you have before you sat down? Love like that. <laughs> well, it grabbed my attention because I have had uh, chocolate wine before, yeah. and I haven't been able to find like any sense. Um, and it was really good. It's definitely yeah. a dessert wine. It's not a wine you sit around drinking all day. It'll make you nauseous if you drink too much. Yeah, but don't I was like, cuss me. <laughs> uh, there's well, a reason I don't drink wine. You've seen me drink wine. I throw those bitches back, and <laughs> well, then I the, cry and I vomit. The chocolate wine in particular is very sweet, is yeah, the problem. that's not my go. Yeah. But I, I was gonna, like, see if I could find one and, like, have a dessert wine that we could, like, just do, like, after dinner or yeah, whatever. Like make a nice chicken parm but, like uh, we do with our fancy selves on a one bed, <laughs> you know? But uh, this wine was $30, and I was curious as to how good a $30 wine was, and that was the first article that popped yeah, up. <laughs> that's where we are in our lives. No, that, fucking three nights out of the week, I'm drinking Old English. We're <laughs> staring at this $30 bottle of wine going, that's a pricey bottle of wine. <laughs> well, you, even if I have, like, money to blow, like, I'm I always spend buy... spending 30 bucks getting like, I fucked up. I get, more fucked up. I get more fucked up on two OEs than I get on a six-pack of literally anything else. You just slam those back. Sure, you're going to want to die the entire time you're drinking it. Put on some rap music. Smoke a cigarette inside of your apartment. You like, could... it's 1976. And it's one of the coolest experiences ever. You get pretty toasty off the wine, though. I think it's a different type of drunk. Oh, it's a happier, fucking fun-loving <laughs> dance around the apartment like a teenage girl kind of drunk. <laughs> but I have a history with Merlot where I'm like, I will sit and drink like five bottles of Merlot. <laughs> because my question is like, why do they put so little wine in the bottle? That just doesn't make any goddamn sense. You can buy box wine. You get more in the box wine. I found wine on that. Is the today. O, that is the OE of fucking <laughs> wine drinkers. I'm not going to be a box. No, because then, no, I'm, then I'm not even just bad. an alcoholic. I'm just a wino. <laughs> I've had box wine before. It's not bad. No, it's not bad. That's the problem. It's fucking delicious. But I would be buying a box of wine a day. <laughs> That's probably true. I would be living my life in a wine hangover, just oh, liquid God. shits. And <laughs> That's gross. Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah. You'd go to kiss me, my lips would just be like crusted with like dark cherries and shit like that. It would be a problem. Have you tried this one? Yeah. The pink Moscato? Yeah. No. It, it's way too sweet. It's, yeah. They didn't, they it's didn't a have sugar the white hunt. Merlot that I normally get. It's they didn't have the big bottle. That's not what the podcast is about. You started this conversation. <laughs> Don't blame that on me. I was just trying to shout out Bam, Montana Ale, because we're looking for sponsorships and I want a sponsor um. from Bam. We might be narrowing in on them. Oh we're my not, not going to discuss that yeah, in we depth. We cannot disclose what may or may not be happening behind the scenes, but you guys might be getting some ad copy, and if you don't think I'm going to make that the funniest fucking thing you've ever listened to, <laughs> all I'm asking is when we start doing the ad copy, uh, you laugh and then go pay them money to whatever they want. and um, Tell them Brett tell sent them that, you. Yeah, tell them that we're awesome so that we can do that more than one time before... <laughs> I inevitably oh, get fired for if, $20. If you, if you think if I have a choice between, like, one that's embarrassing for you and just a regular one, though, I'm definitely picking the one that's embarrassing for yeah, you. No, I will read about erectile dysfunction every <laughs> week on the show and find new and awkward ways to talk about it. I can't personally get a boner. Hemorrhoid cream or something yeah. like that? No, right now I'm looking at one um, for, like, 
eyelashes for chemotherapy people. So, you know, you're like, Brett's super heartless. It's like, no, I want the sponsorships to mean something and go to a good cause. And fast forward six months from now where I'm reading uh, underwear advertisements. (laughs) (laughs) And and erectile dysfunction ads. Yeah, and like fucking boxes of meat you can have shipped to your house because you're too stupid to go to the grocery store. (laughs) No, though. Aren't those supposed to be, um, like, non-processed? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just I would sign up for that. No, but we've done the <laughs> sign-up for food to show well, up no, at the that, house. The, the what is that meat one called, though? Meat locker, meat box. I can't remember. But, yeah, yeah. they do some, like, fresh cuts of, like, meat you probably wouldn't find at the store. Don't they have, like, elk and stuff? If they have elk, we're getting it. Because <laughs> we live out here and I can't get my hunting license for... And, I mean, we, we need to go to the DMV and tell them that we live here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a thing. I switched my... Why are we talking about this stuff? Because my, we've had a stressful week, okay? The week is full is of stress. The, I worked six days this week. My fucking mind is nothing. I sat on the couch and just watched the snow come down for 20 <laughs> straight fucking minutes in total goddamn silence. My brain's gone. <laughs> melted i'm getting drunk this is the our real lives <laughs> podcast welcome to the real world yeah no it's um, half education half lifestyle for the creatives <laughs> out there in the world if you're just stressed out you're like how am i gonna accomplish my dreams this is how you do it you buy great value toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> you just shit all over the planet you shit on your competition with your great value wipes. <laughs> so you got the last three poops still sitting in your rectum. <laughs> oh, uh, off that topic, though. Uh, Sometimes I just make jokes so that when Kristen's editing these things later... Um, she rolls her eyes. And she giggles out of fucking nowhere while I'm playing the UFC game that came out six years ago. Uh, I go, what? And then she goes, it was a funny joke. I know I didn't laugh at the time, but then she giggles when she's sober. <laughs> Oh. People stare at me at work. Life um, finds a way. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say, speaking of the DMV, I switched my car insurance over. And he was like, so did you switch your license over? And I was like, oh, is that a thing I needed to do? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, not yet. Am I supposed to go to the post office and like <laughs> change like, my address officially <laughs> so that all my old mail doesn't keep going to some strange... 76-year-old lady who lives in the old apartment. <laughs> I knew I had to switch it eventually. I just didn't compute that it was relevant to my car insurance. No, we've, we've definitely been here too long to have not done that, considering how small this town is. No, I just moved here today. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if we're, you know, admitting to misdemeanors or felonies at this point, but it's into a recording. I'm sure you have a little while to do it. We haven't been here that long. Yeah. We got here last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God damn it. You remember when you were a kid and there used to be adults and you'd be like, the adults know all the fucking things and the adults don't know fuck all. No, they don't. If you're 16 years old and you're looking at like your 30 year old uncle and you're like, oh my God, like he's he's got his shit together. He doesn't. No, he's drinking himself to death. That's what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder that about... Um, like uh, our, our parents? Yeah, that are like, yeah, you know, no. in their 50s and we stuff. We are the age that my parents were when they had me. And my shit is not together. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wonder at this age about that, about my parents at their age. So I'm like, when I'm in my 50s, will I have it together? Or are they still just as clueless? No, no, no. At this point, because I've worked in that pawn shop, like I've seen people like in their 80s who are just like, I just can't figure it out. And I'm like, if that dude hasn't figured oh, it no. out. 
I'm fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I used to own a, you know, a, a restaurant, and then my restaurant fell under, and then oh, I just, no. from that point on, it's just, I need an extra $200. You gotta have somebody buy month. zucchini fries for you. Yeah, just living <laughs> in that fucking life. Oh. Yeah. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing out here. That's what I've learned about being an adult, moving across the fucking country because adults were like you can't just move across the country and it's like oh, that turns out you can turns out you can just do that turns out you're not gonna know what the fuck to do when you're over there turns out you inspire other people when you do it yeah i've got my buddy briars thinking about moving across the fucking country too so we're an inspiration to people all the world around maybe that's why we wound up with over 500 downloads on one episode <laughs> come at me joe rogan i'm like i'll fight you <laughs> He probably gets 500 downloads in oh, one minute. Oh, and he minute. could kick my ass. <laughs> in uh, one that, single minute. Yeah, he's like, I am doing this live. 50,000 <laughs> people were here when I showed up. Um, but no, the adults don't know what they're doing. And, smooth segue. Um, I think there's a lot of, like, start and stop, start and stop, trying to figure out who you are as a person, you know? Um that goes on and we were talking on not last episode right but the episode before that yep. or or is it this episode that's the episode before cool it's, Cause it's the Tuesdays. one that came Cause, out yeah because there's tuesdays Sunday, we got the tuesday yeah gotcha all right it came out on sunday because that was late oh <laughs> you were picking a couch and then moving in the couch and decluttering the entire apartment. It's not like you were just sitting there with your thumb in your ass going, I'm not giving those fucking people what they want. No. Yeah, well, um, to be fair, we moved across the country and I don't think I was laid on any of those. No, no. One couch fucked the whole system up. A I had to carry it up, no, yeah. carry it up three recorded, flights of stairs. We recorded and edited in a garage the day after we got up there. And that one's still on, still on time. That one's still on time. We're, we're losing our edge. Um, I had to carry it up three flights of stairs. It yeah. winded me for days. <laughs> um, but speaking of, um, you know, like overcoming certain things and um, how do I put it? Finding yourself. Yeah, kind of like figuring out like who you are. It's like beyond finding yourself. Like that's some like guru shit that. Like, Let me be teenage, a guru. Yeah. Why are you hating on teenage me? Teenage girls like buy bumper stickers that are like live, laugh, love. And it. You know, I found it's myself. Because I'm a Scorpio. So, why are you? Ugh. Why are you no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> why are you hating on my sign? <laughs> I'm a Taurus, so uh, evidently I'm lazy as fuck. Do you see me being lazy as fuck? Or did You're also I? Stubborn. Did I cook breakfast, dinner, do the laundry, and clean the fucking kitchen all at the same time this morning? Dinner was in a slow cooker, if that makes no sense to no, you guys. No, okay, yeah, no. I, I had to do the meat and <laughs> yeah. all the vegetables and then throw them in the slow cooker. But that makes no cooker. sense that you yeah, cooked dinner chili. at breakfast. <laughs> yeah, no, I cooked, I, I, I set everything up. I was doing six things at once. Krista was sitting on the couch going, are you all right? And I was like, no, it's fucking, I'm losing my mind. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to shower. Yeah. So but I it's, could be protected. <laughs> you were like, you have to go get a shower so we can carry stuff downstairs. And then I carried everything downstairs in the time it took you to brush your teeth. <laughs> I unburied our cars from snow, so don't start. <laughs> I'll fight you right now. I'll throw snow on you. Don't throw snow on me. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, you go through, like, all these different things in life where people keep telling you you can't do them, you can't do them, you can't do them. Most of them you can't do. Like, I've had some insane goddamn <clears throat> ideas. I've still got one insane idea, which is legally blow up a car. If any of you guys have advice, you can send me an email at... Nightmareboxproductions at gmail. Goddamn right. Um... <laughs> 
but... Like that fastball pitch? Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> we should... <laughs> no, I was, I was thinking about, like, all the things that we tried creatively to land in our own creative areas, you know? Yeah. That's uh, what we were talking about on the other podcast, and I figured you could fastball me again. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we had briefly discussed on Sunday about the fact that I used to uh, draw, and it's not my forte for sure, so um, that kind of, I guess, got us, like, wondering, like Brett said, like, what all avenues we kind of explored, because I I feel like maybe some people figure it out early in, and I kind of knew that I liked film in some vein fairly early in, mm-hmm. but not specifically what I wanted to do. So maybe it's not true of everyone. Maybe some people figure it out kind of early, but I feel like a lot of artistic people just kind of have that pull towards the arts and don't really quite know what they want to do. So they kind of tinker. Um, and for me, I want to say actually the very first thing I ever thought I wanted to be was a writer. I think that was my first mm-hmm. one. I was pretty young. And I know we've talked about that on different episodes before where I would like type on my little old PC <laughs> computer that was shaped like a giant was, box. No, and I'm sorry because we don't have a video element, but you're so small. You had to raise your arms <laughs> above the table to like mime typing. <laughs> it looked like you were a toddler punching a typewriter. <laughs> it was Sorry. The, the the chair I'm sitting in is yeah. so short it's level with my chest. Like the table is level yeah. with my chest height. So, so what you're saying is art uh, finds a way. <laughs> art does find a way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had like a giant old box PC that I would like type on and save my stories yeah. on floppy disks. Um, so that was probably my first attempt at it. <laughs> what was yours? Uh, I wanted to be a writer, or not a writer, um, a... Um, is it drawer? Like a, illustrator? A, illustrator is a good word. <laughs> it is a word. <laughs> I, I don't do a lot of words in a southern accent. Drawler is definitely... <laughs> drawer. <laughs> I want to drawler. <laughs> you know? um, but no. Um, I wanted to do that when I was a kid, and I was pretty good at it. I, I, I'd buy comic books over at the BX, you know, on base, and... I'd put them next to a piece of paper and I'd draw Wolverine, I believe was like the first one that I really got into. I really liked Wolverine as a kid. And I'd try to draw the sketches that were inside of the comic books. And I got like two or three that were fucking spot on when I was like eight or nine years old. And those are probably still in this apartment because I'm still pretty proud of them. Um, and I took up painting for a little while, which I like. Um, I did a lot of visual things, but I found writing when I, you know, around the time I hit puberty, it would definitely be somewhere. Do you somewhere. remember what triggered that for you? Like how you kind of stumbled into that? I've always read, um, and then I've read Polonick's Survivor. And that young? I read Helter Skelter when I was 13. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read Mein Kampf and wrote a paper on it before I could drive a car. Like it's a, <laughs> I, I, I was exposed to a lot at a very young age. Um, but no, I, I read Survivor and I used to listen. 
I still listen to a lot of Eminem, but I used to like really listen to a lot of Eminem because back then, like the the Eminem show would just come out, and you would get the CDs and you'd get the pamphlets, and I like to write down the lyrics to everything um, in my journal, and I did the same thing with Survivor. Like I wrote out like the first you know couple of uh, pages the first couple of chapters rather down to like the line breaks and like where he seemed to move things so I remember at a point while I was reading Survivor I read it like three times in a row like back to back to back because at that point you know I was a kid with no job yet um and I could just spend you know the afternoon sitting on the bed reading a book and I, I remember reading it a bunch right off the bat and then trying to figure out Polynix um flow and trying to figure out like these poets like I did a lot of Saul Williams back then because that worked with the rap side of things and writing all the poems down and trying to find the beats it was the first thing that I became obsessed with it's interesting at that I mean I know you know you would have been in school and taking English classes and stuff so they kind of teach you some of that stuff but Mm -hmm. that's interesting at that young of an age to be looking at it that analytically yeah no i was in <clears throat> in texas so yeah probably eight sorry that was eight, me nine, i still <laughs> hit the table in my short chair eight nine years old my mom worked at uh the school she she taught at the school that my brother and i went to and i damn near got dcs called on the family because i wrote a story about a superhero who couldn't hurt the bad guys he could only punch the good guys into the bad guys so he was just (laughs) massive and like some bad guy would be like being a dick like stealing somebody's milk or something like that but instead of like revolting on the bad guy and like fucking him up he'd like have to punch timmy and timmy would like fly through a wall and like hit the bad guy and i had all these drawings and stuff drawings (laughs) (laughs) um and I remember my mom going, like, the teacher talked to us and DCS somebody showed up at the house. And they're like, no, he's just, you know, he's writing stories. Like, that's what Brett does. Now I understand as an adult that that was probably a bit troubling for the psychologist that worked at the school or whatever. <laughs> just running around punching little yeah, Timmy. Brett cannot directly approach his problems. He's got to hurt people to approach his problems. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I remember writing that story before I was 10 years old. And oh, wow. Yeah. It, I think that... Or it's I don't been know. an obsession forever, but I've done like the painting and the writing. I took up photography very shortly. I want to try that again because it's fun. Um, played the guitar, tried to write music for a long time. And I, my buddy back, you know, Dakota Slate... Uh, go find that guy everywhere because he's incredible and he does not get the attention that he deserves. But I try to play like rhythm guitar for Dakota and um, I was playing rhythm guitar for Dakota. <laughs> that was all I was doing. I was like, I know how to play a G and an A and a C. And I'll <laughs> just keep playing these while this guy like bends the strings and like <laughs> smashes the guitar against the wall and goes fucking ape shit. <laughs> you know. I don't remember what the story was about, and I really don't remember what any of my stories were about. I remember I never had any particularly long ones. They were always kind of shorter, but mm-hmm. my mom, I guess, like, found a couple of them and read, like, some of them, and 
I guess maybe I had a affinity for horror at a young age because she used to like refer to me as like her little Stephen King and that my stories kind of freaked her out. I don't remember what any of them were about though, but I do, I think I might've been 11. I remember I wrote one that was about a cop and this is the only thing I remember. I have no idea what the story was about, but his name was Brian O'Connor. And then- There you go. No. You're Irishman. No, let me finish. I think about a year later, Fast and the Furious came out, and Paul's character is exactly named <laughs> Brian O'Connor, and I was so mad. I was like, now i got to rename my character. Like, God damn it. There goes my movie about drifting also, in Tokyo. He was also a cop, and I was so mad about it. Like, my cop, I think, was, like, new to the force, and there was, like, an older guy. He yeah. was, like, studying under or whatever, you know, like, that was his partner. So it's a completely different story. And they were, like, solving crimes, I think, or something like that. I can't remember really what it was about. But the yeah. car crimes? No. Then just, you could have just kept Brian Connor. I was, no, I was like, people are going to think I caught because Fast and the Furious was you so You just call him Ryan Connor. Like Brian O'Connor. <laughs> just make him not Irish, you know, I was so prick. mad about it, <laughs> I remember being so mad, because I was like, no, I really liked that name. Yeah. No, I had one, uh, the first book that I tried to write, I got about halfway through, and the premise was, like, basically, what if you took um, Project Mayhem out of Fight Club and then changed the setting? It was like a professor who was trying to, I was probably like 15, 16 when I did that one. Um, It was a professor who was trying to teach his political students that the art of protest was dead and so they needed to commit murders and then attach their uh, manifestos to each one of the murders which is a good premise it's a solid premise unless you've just been reading Polonick like in your bedroom and then I went back and reread Fight Club I was like all I've done here is created the homework assignment and given it to these kids, you know, <laughs> except instead of blowing the faces out of office buildings, I'm just shooting people. But it was if Tyler Durden was 70 years old trying to talk to these children. More or less. <laughs> Fight Club 2.0. Exactly. No, he did that already. It's a comic book. <laughs> Uh, gosh. He's got a new book coming out, by the way, and I am beyond fucking thrilled. Do you know when it's coming out? Um, January or February. Yeah, it's right after the new year. It's like a memoir. It's like his version of on writing, where it's going to be about, like, what he's learned about writing in his life and stuff like that. And who not to entrust, or trust investment-wise. Yeah, that's probably a huge part. (laughs) That should be in that book, for sure. Yeah. No. Uh, also, if you, I don't, this was a little all over the place, but again, we don't have show notes. Um, uh, if you guys did not go out and check out Adjustment Day by Polinick, you're missing out because that is one of the greatest dystopian novels I've read in a long goddamn time. Buck Margaret Atwood. <laughs> go buy Adjustment Day by Chuck Polinick. <laughs> I haven't read that one either, no. so. It's awesome pretty solid <laughs> it's hilarious but um back but to... when did you know like you wanted to become like a director like when did that click do you remember like i was much older much older um well you you did the photography and the acting and all well, that well i from writing i think the next thing was the drawing um 
Taryn, my oldest sister, at a very... She's brilliant at it, yeah. Yeah, at a very young age, like, sketching up these, like, insane, beautiful, lifelike things. And uh, Taryn, like me, is kind of into, like, fantasy stuff. And um, she'd, like, sketch out these, like, very realistic, like, castles and all this Mm. crazy stuff. Like, really complex drawings. And, um... That was, like, kind of a point that I guess we bonded over, like, as kids. We, like, played video games together, and we, like, yeah. liked very similar things. So, um, I guess maybe I kind of picked it up because she was into it. My mom used to draw and stuff. My mom, uh, when she was younger, went to, like, art school and, uh, like, had all of her old kits and stuff. So, she gave them to, like, Taryn and I, and we would, like, <clears throat> sketch drawings and, like, got into, like, pastels and charcoals mm-hmm. and all, the, like, the different mediums and stuff like that. And, uh... Like I took art classes in school I love too. Charcoals. Those, those are my I, favorite because you get to draw with like the side of the pencil, mm-hmm. and I'm all about forty-five degree angles. <laughs> I, I like the way that they look, and I like the way that they turn out. But again, even like with the, like she would do these beautiful, crazy pastel images, and I would like try, and it would just take me like three times as long, and it wouldn't even mm-hmm. turn out a third as pretty as the work that she did. And like she'd just be like just banging it out, you know, and moving on. And, um, like it inherently made sense to her. Yeah. And for me, it was like, the lines aren't right. Like it doesn't look how I need it to look. So for me, it was just like a, it brought on more anxiety than pleasure. And I weirdly, I have a couple of them sitting on the shelf next to me. I have those. No, not my sketches. Oh. (laughs) No, I think I got rid of all of those, but I have like those art books that are like just weird patterns and designs mm-hmm. and stuff that you color them and they're supposed to like be calming for you those actually cause me anxiety because i feel yeah, like i don't like them at all <laughs> well i feel like because they're not necessarily always meaningful patterns like sometimes they're symmetrical mm-hmm. and all that and that's easy to color but like sometimes they're just kind of weird patterns and like i feel like the colored product at the end still has to make sense to me yeah and they're always off by like three yeah. Yeah. And like, like you'll you'll be painting all these tiny squares and then you're like, Well, I can go red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, but then I'm gonna wind up blue, blue, blue if I wanna follow the pattern on the yeah. opposite. Yeah. So those things actually I have like three of them next to me. Like those little calming coloring books give me anxiety. So mm-hmm. like any kind of like drawing stuff, like I really like it and like I have a great appreciation for it, but I don't have the internal like ability to let go enough to just do it. So, um, yeah, that was short-lived. I think by the time I was, like, 13, 14, Mm -hmm. I probably gave that up. Um, I took a couple of college classes on it. It's still, like, one of my favorite things, but I feel the same way. I'm very fluid with my drawings. and I don't try to go for the realistic, so I think that's where it gives me a little bit more, you know, fun. Um, But it's never a thing that I was so interested in that I felt the need you know, to invest my time into the way yeah. I do with the writing and you do with the filmmaking. Yeah, and I think films kind of came on a little, like, naturally over time. Like, I used to, I remember as a kid, like, I would watch these really dramatic scenes in TV shows or movies or whatever, with these really, like, emotional scenes where you could really, like, connect with the characters I'd rewind them and watch them again like five times in a row because I was just like, how do you mm-hmm. like how do you do that? How do you make people feel yeah. those things? How do they convey that? So 
like for me initially it was like just the emotions of it I was like okay like this is a really intense moment and I'm feeling intense too like how do you pull this off um so I thought initially like I wanted to act because like the first thing I guess that grabbed me was the actor's performance Mm -hmm. so I thought like that's what I wanted to do I wanted to act so I did theater I think starting in like sixth grade I did theater for a long time yeah I was pretty young um I did it I think sixth grade through high school. So, what's he doing? Oh, <laughs> the cats are forever trying to kill yeah. each other. Max is just standing up, slapping Winston in the face continuously. <laughs> Sorry. Winston is technically fatter, but Max is bigger. So, <laughs> but uh, you were in theater in the sixth grade. Yeah, I think I did it like sixth grade through twelfth. So I did it for a long time, but uh. I never felt in the moment, I guess, like how I thought it would feel. Like I would always be excited leading up to it. And then I guess that's kind of a natural thing to be critical afterwards. Like, ah, oh, this is what I should have done. I wish I that's Thanks, still Max. the cast. <laughs> oh no, my elephant. <laughs> um, it's holding up the muscle. <laughs> like kind of analyzing what I wish I had done differently, but, like, day of, I would feel miserable. Like, every time, without fail, and, like... You didn't feel, like, tuned in? No. Felt like a stranger, almost. Yeah, and, like, um, my... Like, as soon as I graduated high school, my acting pretty much immediately bled into modeling, because it was just kind of a natural transition. But, like, whether it was runway shows or, like... um, I'm not hyper proud to admit that I did work with them because I don't agree with their ideologies, but I did the do... Weinstein Brothers? No. <laughs> <laughs> I did do a couple of things for... Um... Clan? No. I'm blanking on the name now because you keep interrupting me. Uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network, the mm-hmm. old dude that does... Uh... I have no idea. I can't think of what they... It's Pat something. Pat Roberts show. Nothing? Never heard of it. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah, I'm fairly liberal. I'm not remotely conservative. So, like, as an adult, I'm not terribly Oh, we're going political on this show? No. (laughs) Libertarians, fuck over here. Start your own goddamn podcast (laughs) network. Fuck those people. Fuck taxation. Anyway. Uh, I'm I'm not terribly proud that I did um, work with them, but it, you know I was young and the beginning of my career, and somebody was like, "Hey, you want to be on TV?" And I was like, "Heck yeah, I do!" Yeah. Um. So I did like a couple of little like skits where I had to like act out like stuff for them, and there was like one where I was like a prostitute, and uh, nice. <laughs> it didn't show anything. It was for the <laughs> Christian Broadcasting Network. Um, you're like, you're going to hell. <laughs> making money doing uh, something you do for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like a girl that like was a prostitute for a while and her life turned around or whatever. And I did like a reenactment, yeah. like, you know, those cheesy reenactments you see on TV. And I did like a couple of episodes for them and like some, you know, other random stuff. I worked on the TV show Nashville a couple of times. And like, I always felt like the day of just like weirdly anxious and self-conscious and I didn't feel like present in the moment and uh like same for my modeling career like anytime I did like runway shows or whatever I was just like miserable I don't like being the center of attention I don't like people looking at me I don't Mm -hmm. like people like in the moment kind of judging what I'm doing so uh 
I stuck with it longer than I probably should have. Um, and that was whenever I was kind of trying to decide if I wanted, because I took some time off college, like if I wanted to go back to college and my original degree was in like journalism or something generic, just because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, I had, since I had been modeling and acting and stuff, I had friends that worked on the other side of the camera. Mm-hmm. And um had been like kind of talking with them. I was just like, oh, like, what's that like? You know, how do I get into that? Do you think it's, you know, a good idea to go back to school? And none of them said it was a good idea to go to school. <laughs> but, uh... That's what my writing friends told me all the time. They're like, like, no, you can to figure school. it out. No, I learned invaluable <laughs> lessons for probably. Like, if I could go back and charge the uni- or give the university money, I think I would have given them like one semester's worth of money because the. I think maybe two for me. Like, yeah. My last year. Like, total classes. Like, I'm talking, like, total hours at the university. Probably I got one semester's worth of valuable information in three and a half years. Yeah. But, yeah, I, um, and I do. Like, having graduated from the program, have mixed feelings about it. I think it needs a yeah. very heavy restructuring. Like, I wouldn't tell somebody to go to school. I'd almost give them a reading list where it's like, hey, these are the books you should go through and go join a writer's group and, you know. But it's different with film because you get to experiment with things that you might not be able to afford. Yeah, and I, I think for me that's why it's a bit of a, a mixed I'd feeling. i do my job with a pen <laughs> or a chisel. You know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you did have a couple of really valuable classes, though. Um, yeah, for me, it's definitely mixed feelings, but, uh, before I get into that, uh, Go Arroyo. <laughs> which I've told that story before, so I won't get into that. That was whenever I like went and took that job in Atlanta for like a month that I didn't get paid for. And that was maybe 22, 23, somewhere in that age range. I might be off by like a year or so, but it was like in my early ish twenties. And, um, that was an instant turning point for me. I, mm-hmm. uh, was literally just a PA and I was like this is like I'm happy to be here this is it I want to go to work I'm in the big leagues yeah like I had <laughs> I had like a random scene where uh again I was just a production assistant so mm. it's not like I was ever anybody really all that important on the set but we were filming a car alarm going off and of course, you know, the scene centered around the actors. The actors are the focus of the scene. Like, nobody gives a fuck what I'm doing. But they had yeah. me hiding in this car because of the car that we were using didn't actually have a car alarm in it. No so shit. I had a radio with, like, an earpiece in. And while we were filming, um, the assistant director would give me, like, a really quiet cue. He would literally just blow into the mic. So all I would hear was just <sighs> into the mic. And that was my cue because he couldn't talk because the camera yeah. was rolling. And as soon as I heard, like, the sound of blowing in my ear, I had to hit the hazard light button. And I was, like, literally slouched way down in the seat. So your head didn't show Yeah, so you couldn't see me over the car because the camera was, like, behind the car. So I'm slouched way down in the seat. And I would have to simultaneously hit the hazard lights and start off and on flicking the headlights. So I was literally just sitting here, like, like, trying to time it to the hazard lights, cranking the headlights on and off. Like, tucked in the car seat. 
And I felt like a bit of an idiot in that exact moment. But I was like, this is so cool. I'm making this happen. Like, when you when you see that scene and the car alarm's going off, that's me. <laughs> it didn't even exist. You were yeah. probably sitting there under tucked all and tight. Yeah. And it was like, Yeah, the editor, like, later on, like, had to dub in the sound of a car alarm. But the car we were using didn't have one built in. So they're like, so, Kristen, this is what we need you to do. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and I felt so proud of myself over something so ridiculous. And I was like, oh, that's a cool little movie effect that I pulled off. <laughs> so, yeah, I came home and I was like, I'm going back to school. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is what I was designed to do. Simultaneously, I chainsawed down a door and uh, that's all I wanted to do. Like, I didn't... I, 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 the next time I'm involved directly, it'll probably be stuntman. It's like, I want to be the guy on the motorcycle who crashes into the brick wall. And <laughs> Hopefully it lives. Hopefully. I mean, I'll, you know, if we're lucky, you know, like we as a collective, not me as a person. <laughs> if it's a good shot, use it. Fuck it. Oh, oh that's terrible. <laughs> There's a bear going shit. Um, not the same vein because he didn't die, but there's a shot in the Lord of the Rings where, uh, the guy that plays Aragorn kicks a helmet. Yeah. And in the scene, like, they didn't originally have him, like, reacting as strongly as he did. He kicks the helmet and broke his toe in that shot. So he falls down onto his knees and he's, like, screaming (laughs) up at the heavens and that's the shot in the film. He literally, in that exact moment, broke his toe. (laughs) My favorite, like, ready-to-go scene is, um, Django. Um, oh, the blood one. The blood, where he just like grabs her by the back of the hair and starts smearing his, his actual, actual blood. blood on her face. That's fucking next level. I would be freaked out. I would after that camera cut. I'd be like, "The fuck is your problem?" <laughs> I would not be thrilled. <laughs> that was a cool shot, though. But yeah, um, film school. I have mixed feelings. Yeah, I did. In much more in debt than I would like to be for what I learned. Um, so... I feel like they should give you guys a camera. Like, I feel like I should have been gifted a very fancy fountain pen. Like, they should... The school should give out individual gifts. And there are some schools, I think, that give you, like, a computer that you get to keep or whatever. Um, and certain actual art schools, uh, the the degree is probably a little more concentrated than mine was. I didn't go to a designated art school. Brett and I just went to a... General college that uh, I mean, does. It's a state school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that does it's have. Just also in the same state as like UT and Vandy. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just at MTSU going, we wish we could be Chattanooga that nobody else gives a shit about either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, MTSU does have a pretty good media program as a whole. So yeah. I don't feel like I got robbed by any means um i do feel like there were two years that i could just have not done and been fine (laughs) for sure yeah i didn't need to learn fuck all about biology (laughs) or geology was mine geology they they were like go take this shakespeare class and all this spanish because it'll help you be a better writer and i'm like i promise you it won't like i promise you i'm not writing in spanish and i will do zero plays like (laughs) i'm not interested I feel like on my end, though, like, yeah, on your end, you could have probably concentrated it down to a year at best and called mm-hmm. it a day. Like, on my end, 
and I'm not necessarily advocating for or against going to college for that. Um, you don't need the degree to do the job for sure. But uh, I think the reason that I justified it in my mind, um, walking away with that degree, like knowing I could have learned more and knowing how in debt I was going to be, I personally feel like I was smart about the decisions that I made in school. Other people might argue otherwise, but I um, took out student loans that were not outrageously larger than I needed, but slightly larger than I actually needed to pay for school so I could pay for equipment. Yeah. And uh, by the time I walked away from college with the degree that I had, I don't have anything close to the equipment that the college itself let me borrow. Like their equipment. to get started. Yeah, their equipment is way nicer than anything I own, but I have a full kit of equipment to now film my own stuff. So... Take that with a grain of salt. Comes in handy, yeah. Yeah, for me, I I feel like I viewed my education as I'm learning what I can while I'm here, and in the meantime, I'm investing in my own future. And you, you know, kind of sticking to the overall theme of the episode, um, learned a lot about a lot of things that you wouldn't have learned otherwise, as I did. Um, And practiced in a bunch of things. I sat in countless poetry classes and fiction classes and non-fiction classes and history courses I didn't need to take. I just needed the hours, you know. Um, And found out where I was. Because, like, what if I went to that biology class and I was like, holy mother of God, I love rocks. (laughs) Rocks were probably not in the biology (laughs) class. That's how little I learned about (laughs) the sciences. I was writing during all of those classes. I remember the first time I went to school, you know, when I was 18 before I joined the service. And um, I was sitting in a math class and they lost me after the second week. And then I just brought a book. I was reading about um, Timothy McVeigh. It was called The American Terrorist. It was a big tome. It was a massive book. And um, I would just sit in the back of the room and read about Timothy McVeigh. And then like take notes in my composite notebook. And he was like, why aren't you paying attention to my math lecture? I'm like, because I care more about Timothy McVeigh than whatever the fuck you're trying to teach me right now. You know? So you might learn something about yourself or what you really want to do, what you really don't want to do. You know, college is a great little breaking ground for that. For sure. I remember um, in a couple of my film classes, like, there were other classes that I went to that I was just frustrated with the students in my class because they'd either just be talking the whole class period or they'd be, like, dicking around on their that cell phones. That was most of my writing courses. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be, like, screwing around on their cell phones. And, like, my film class, um, we would have guests come in sometimes mm-hmm. and they'd, like, demo uh, various equipment or, like, you know, just talk about different stuff in general and, like... I remember my teacher got on to me one time because I had my cell phone out and um, I was talking to one of the other students in my class and I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm like looking up the price of this thing because I think I want to buy it. I was like, I'm totally into the conversation we're having. Yeah. Don't worry. I am paying attention. She was like, oh, okay, that's all right. Then <laughs> I was like, I'm like looking it up on Amazon to see if I yeah. can afford it. <laughs> Getting in there. <laughs> But no, you gotta you gotta kind of feel your way around in the world as a person and as an artist, and I think that that's like 
it's beyond important to find your own niche, not your own like artistic niche, you know? And we do this podcast and we have a vague concept of the person that listens to the show. And that's our niche. It's where we hope to build our career is within the niche. But you have to find it within yourself as well. Like you have to figure out what the weird thing is that you are to go off and create in that vein. You know, where you're going to... I'm, I'm never going to be a filmmaker any more than you're ever going to be a drawler. <laughs> or a writer. <laughs> or a writer. You're a good writer, so I was giving you a drawler because it's your second best. Uh, I'll never, right. I'll never be a painter. Like I've, I've made paintings. I'm a pretty good painter. Like I, I have a few. We've got one that I want to hang in the apartment that we're looking for a space to hang my little Michael Myers painting. Um, Fine if we hang that in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that. not where my heart calls me to. You know, it's a thing that I learned about that I loved that I. Okay don't have that level of dedication to. I'm not going to stand there with a camera and figure out all the different ways that like the thing works. You get that. I don't get that. But you're not going to read for an hour and write for, you know, 2 hours and try to figure out these like very specific layers to a plot. You're not going to do what I can do. I do think... But podcasting's a thing we can both do. <laughs> it is. I, <laughs> I do think, though, even if you early on found whatever your thing was, if you work in a creative field of any kind, it is beneficial to branch out and try other fields. You learn a lot. Yeah, just because you, you develop a level of appreciation for those fields. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that only enhances your appreciation and your understanding of your own field as well. Like I, I will use that example cause I did briefly minor in writing and, uh, it took me until the end of, there were no more film writing classes available to me to realize I was not going to be a writer. <laughs> as soon as I couldn't do any more screenwriting or fiction writing, I was like, well, I'm good. This is fun for me. I'm done. I got but... into screenwriting on a fluke and I love it. <laughs> It's not my calling, like it's not like where I want to build my career from, but I love writing screenplays, like it's a lot of fun for me, because yeah. it's like what I like to do with like half the pressure, you know, like I, Tim walks to the thing, I don't need to tell you how Tim feels or, you know, what everything else looks like, I just write an instruction manual, you know, <laughs> you interpret that in the way that I would do a novel, yeah. you know. But I mean, and... and... Yeah, exact point. I feel like because I did take, um, you know, a year of screenwriting, like it, it has helped me to some extent in my own realm understand the development of stories and stuff better. So whenever I'm looking at a script that I'm going to shoot, I can understand like the compelling parts of the story before I ever even shoot it at all. So I, I think it's beneficial to branch out even if you already know what you want to do. Just because... Yeah. Take up a weird hobby. Learn how to, you know, look for jewelry on the beach or whatever's going on. You know, you're going to meet new people. You're going to break your view of the world. You're going to find other things and new experiences. And it'll only help enhance your creative endeavors. Exactly. Um, 
but better than that, you could go on to the Nightmare Box Doll Blog and watch the dolls, which is in the top <laughs> right hand corner up there. That was uh, written by me and filmed by the beautiful, the effervescent, the life uh, finds a way, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> Um, or you can go on her YouTube at youtube.com right. slash Kristen Pennington, or you can go back to the Nightmare Box Top Blog and go down to the bottom right hand side. You'll find the Madman Diaries. You send me $10. I don't care if it takes $15 to get to you. I'll autograph the motherfucker and I'll send it to you. I'm trying to clear off my shelf. I have so. three copies, so. Uh... Yeah, because Kristen's just trying to keep my career afloat at this point. No, no you, should, you should get your own before I just take them all. Yeah. So. Once I release the next book, I'm pulling the Madman Diaries from production, and it will only exist with the people that were ground level. So, Which might be our compound that we're starting here. Yeah. That's the Bible here. It's the $10. Madman it's $10. It's very thin. It looks like a pamphlet. It could work. It does. <laughs> <laughs> or you can swing on over to Instagram where you could take a picture of yourself smiling next to the video of the dolls or a copy of the Madman Diaries. You could take that picture. You could put it up at... Uh, Nightmare Box Productions. Or you can go over to Twitter and you can tweet about all the treating that you're doing, the reading, the... The, the AM writing? Hmm, yep. Why not? At, <laughs> at Nightmare Box Pro. Or you can go on to Facebook. You can look us on up over there. You're probably a lot better going to get a response, so you could shoot us a message at... Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Did I miss any? Uh, we did the email earlier in the episode. Yeah. But as always, guys, like, like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Um, and most importantly, reach out to us, talk to us. We want to know who you guys are and what it is that you're looking for. And if, uh, want to make the show better. This homework assignment wasn't for you. If you have a different idea you'd like to see for the next homework assignment, definitely let us know. Um, because that's got to come out soon. Yeah, <laughs> Brett and I are brainstorming ideas for that. So if you want to challenge yourself in any particular way that you want to see us participate in as well, feel free to let us know. Yeah, no, if you send us a compelling one, we're looking for the month of January, the homework assignment. And I think Kristen's going to get a shot right after we get out of here, but who knows? <laughs> I'm a little drunk. So I love you, sweetheart. I love you. I love you more than that. Love you most than that. I love you guys. And we will talk to you next week.